Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Today I'm joined by director-writer Jake Wachtel to talk about his new film, Carmelink. Conceived as a way to interrogate processes of neo-colonialism and highlighting the alienating effects of technological process, Carmelink is a mind-bending tale of reincarnation, artificial consciousness, and the search for enlightenment. The film will be available on VOD this Friday, July 15th. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Um, first thing I got to say is this is how you open a film. The opening of this thing is incredible. I absolutely love the structure of this. I love the aesthetic of it. I just love how much you throw at the audience in this opening, which of what could be a really complicated story to lay out. I feel like you really lay the foundation of this story really well within about a minute and 30 seconds. It's pretty incredible. Oh, thanks so much. That's uh, came through a lot of experimentation. That was not how the first several cuts of it opened. In fact, we we tried we tried many things before we settled on this. But I, I think that realizing how much that red room, that the opening shot of the film, how what a powerful image that is, um, and wanting to be really grounded in in the scientist spiritual quest as a as a way to, to kick things off. Well, it, it's, I was immediately struck. It reminded me um, from an aesthetic point of view of old Terry Gilliam. It was like, Oh, this is kind of has a Brazilian feel to it a little bit here. And it was, I just felt very comfortable right away when I see that going along for that ride. And is that something oh, you were thinking of that kind of lived in aesthetic of science fiction and the real world blending together like that? For sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, there's yeah, so much of these like classic films like Brazil are just have have just become a part of the the background hum of my brain um, at this point, and and so it's cool, right? Because I'll, I'll talk to people and they're like, "Oh, were you, were you influenced by Terry Gilliam?" And I was, uh, we didn't talk about that specifically, but for sure, how could you not be? Like, I'm, I, I was I was so obsessed with his work and you know growing up, so. Um, yeah, but, but the idea of how does this, uh, how does, how does sci-fi play out in Cambodia? Um, you know, it was a conversation with, between the, the production designer, Olga and the VFX artists and, and, and our DP Rob to, you know, you got to strike the balance between like, what are we capable of as a little independent film making this movie in Cambodia, but also how do we, um, how do we present it in, in, in a way that's like both compelling, but not, uh, but, but not hitting you over the head and, and serving the story. Well, I think you nailed that balance because this is something where it had, it, a lot of science fiction can veer off into an area where every moment of the film is just eye candy. And it's right. just, it's, it's overload. It's too much sensory input after a while where you become numb to it within a few minutes. And here you have these little flourishes that you kind of forget that you're watching science fiction because it's this story that's really about, um, it's about reincarnation. It's about legacy. It's about all these different things. It's about, you know, just how the generations all affect one another. And it, science fiction is definitely a part of it. It's the catalyst of this, but I don't think it's necessarily what's on at the center of what's the film is talking about. Um, 
it just uses that as a way to kind of distance yourself at an arm's length from where we currently are. And by doing that, you are able to really, I think, tell a story about right now in this moment in a way that mm-hmm. is, I think if you were getting up on a soapbox and saying, I'm talking about these issues that you're dealing with this in, the fo- in this film, people might reject it a little bit, but because you do it through just that little bit of a lens of science fiction, it goes down a lot smoother. Ah, that's really gratifying to hear. I, I think I took a lot of my cues that, that from, from the story, the novel Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro, mm-hmm. which was a kind of direct inspiration it's the approach to sci-fi where it's really about these relationships. It's really grounded in the human. Um, and it's this wild, wacky sci-fi concept, but it's existing in a very lived in way at the kind of almost at the periphery of the story. Um, uh, yeah. Th- that, 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 that provoked the the first seed of the idea where I, where I came up with the concept for the film, but then also continued to guide the approach to how, how does this, how do we realize this world? How do we approach world building? And it's something I, I think that if you look at where we are right now and I'm 46 years old, I'll be 46 in like three weeks. So I could not have imagined the world we live in today, but it doesn't look that much different. You know, we have self-driving cars. You have access to every song, like pretty much ever recorded in the pocket, in your pocket on your phone at any given time. Like you can watch any movie ever without going to a video store, all those things that just seem like I could not have gotten my head around that, but the world doesn't look that much different. And I love this approach to science fiction in this way, where it does feel that it's not completely changed from the world that we're in now, that you will have, areas that are very much lived in. You'll have people that are selling scraps the way that they do in this. And it just kind of, I I really appreciate that, that the aesthetic of the film, because I think it delivers on the humanity of the piece a lot more than you would have in another film. Does that make sense? Or? Cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I, I think that we also took a cue from the environment in Phnom Penh in Cambodia, where you have this sense of the the old and the new and the recycled and the refurbished, it's all existing side by side and intermingling. Um, and and to being in Phnom Penh right now feels like to be living through a sci-fi movie. It's just the 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 rate of change is astounding. And when I first moved to Cambodia in 2014, there were like two skyscrapers on the on the skyline, and now there's dozens in the process of being built, various forms of completion. Um, you know there. There's this idea of technological leapfrogging that I find really interesting, which is when you don't have the the old infrastructure built, you can you can hop over and uh, embrace the new technology that much faster because you're not so attached to the older forms and in, in, in places that don't have uh, you know that, that don't have like longstanding electrical grids based on fossil yeah. fuels are able to adapt to like solar and wind much easier. Cambodia actually has like a, has a very high percentage of um, hydropower coming in. And yeah, those things are are really fascinating. The way, the way that all of these things coexist. And 
the, the old and the new, and, you know, and, and Cambodia is not a place where people tend to think that like sci-fi is happening, which is something speaks to something kind of like elitist or patronizing about the genre or people's conceptions and tell people that I'm making a movie in Cambodia. And they're like, Oh, it's a documentary. It's about the past. And it's like, no, this is like, this is where it's happening. You know, I, I, I come from Silicon Valley and I, and, and, I feel in Cambodia, like the rate of change. Sometimes I feel like it's just things are moving faster there. There's like this, yeah, it's the relationship with, with progress and development is it's different. It means something different. Well, areas that had, they didn't have telephone lines. It was much easier to get broadband in there when that was first coming out. It was just easier to look at what are the wireless solutions, the way that we can get this implemented there. And you would see that, areas that were less developed were suddenly jumping ahead as far as progress with things like that. So it makes perfect sense. Um, What led to you going from Silicon Valley to Cambodia, that change? I mean, I, I could make some assumptions about what would go there and I could see a lot of solid reasoning for it, but I'm wondering what your uh, exact, what your experience was. Yeah. I mean, the long story short is um, I, uh, I worked for many years as a freelance filmmaker um, w- with nonprofits and social impact ventures, uh, telling stories in the global South. And I got to visit so many different communities and, and think about telling stories of people living in, you know, a construction worker in Mumbai or, or like a farmer in, um, in Cambodia and, uh, like I, I came into contact with a lot of um, development projects. I, I was, you know, working in in the in the field of of development and and thinking a lot about the politics of storytelling <coughs> for these groups. Um, and at a certain point, I decided that I, I was I was tired. It didn't feel right to be jumping into a community for a week, pointing my camera around and, and leaving. And I really wanted to, to get to know a single community more deeply. And it was the time that I was feeling that strongly that this opportunity to go to Cambodia and teach filmmaking for a whole year arose. And so I jumped at that and, um, and it was, you know, a chance for me to get to know a single community much deeper and also a chance to help, share my knowledge and empower the kids that I was teaching to tell their stories and and the way that they wanted to tell them. Uh, And so that, that was that year of living in Cambodia was the, the, the foundation of this whole project. It was at the end of that year, I was reading, never let me go. And then I had this like uh, light bulb went off. I was like, what would this story feel like? taking place in, in the community where my students are from, this community that I've really fallen in, in love with and, and the one that we ultimately feature in the film, which is this community trolley back. It's built along the railroad tracks. And because of that, because it's on the railroad tracks and there's not like crazy traffic going through, it's maintained a kind of like village feel amidst this teeming metropolis. Um, but it's also, yeah, it's under threat of development and displacement like everywhere in, <laughs> you know, in the world. Yeah. So like these communities all over the place. And it, the one thing that struck me about the way that you photograph this particular community, um, there, you could feel love. You could feel genuine affection for this area, that it's not shot in a way 
where it does have that outsider's point of view where you feel like you're normally the way that you areas portrayed there's a sense of pity that's condescending towards them if that makes sense and i felt like this was just showing this in a way that wasn't it it's just that you love these people that you love this community if you there was warmth in it and so i think that comes through in the story that's great to hear i mean i um we with like my production designer and dp we we talked about slumdog millionaire and and it's ilk Intensely yeah. as like an anti-example, not not because the idea is that this is some paradise and we we need to like uh, everyone needs to live like this and but just that it's yeah it's it's condescending and and just wrong to think that there's not love in this community I, you know to spend time with these kids and their families and I actually lived in Charlotte Beck for uh, a chunk of time while I was working on the script. Um, and I got to hang out and have dinner and hang out along the railroad tracks and drink beers at night. And, um, and that palpable sense of love of community is, was, was a great lesson for me. Uh, something that I, that I got to feel and, you know, which is, which I think is, is a lot harder to find in where I grew up and something that, that I've been searching for. I, I, I've, I've, like lived in several intentional communities in my life and, and been looking for that same kind of like village vibe. And in Cambodia, it's just part and parcel of, of daily life. And so the way that these stories about, you know, people living in a low socioeconomic neighborhood in Cambodia often get told in the West is poverty porn. It's like, look at how terrible life is. And the stories are often centered around like a single character rising above their circumstances and escaping. And don't we feel so good for them to get out, you know? Um, and that's, it's individualist capitalist fantasy and it's just wrong. And so the film can serve partially as a corrective to that um, overplayed narrative, then I, feel good <laughs> it, it does it does honestly it was something where i'm glad you mentioned that because that's what i was thinking of um with the slumdog millionaire kind of outlook on this type of community that you told a story that honestly feels something more akin to the goonies where it mm-hmm. feels like it, it's just like this it feels like kids that are in peril but they're they have genuine affection for each other. They're realized individuals that have three dimensions and they have different motivations and they're just fun to spend time with. You genuinely enjoy them and that um, there's different adults that they're interacting with, but it's really these kids are the heart of this film to me where they just, I, I could have gone off on any one of their stories and watched an entire film about any one of these individuals. And the casting here is incredible. I've never seen any of these kids before, but I wanted to get to know them all so much more. Cool. Yeah. I mean, the Goonies is what, what is more comfortable to the, to the American audience, people our age yeah. that are then, then like, Oh, like I totally get it. it I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a, it's a little trick to immediately collapse the distance. You think you're watching, a, you're watching a movie about, about poor kids in Cambodia and, Oh, they must be somehow really far away from my experience or distance. Nope. And it's like, no, no, and 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 we kind of can use the Goonies to bring us in, and then also to subvert that narrative of, you know, how much agency do these kids really have against the forces of development? Well, I mean, it, I 
and it's really odd that like that idea of development, that's really what that film is about as well. It's yeah. something that's overlooked in it, but that is, they're very similar in a way, but this is, you're dealing with technology in a way you're not in there and you have much headier ideas that are really on the surface here. Um, there's a lot more to chew on, I think. Um, and this is something that it's really rare to see a film that has this much going on that is this much fun to watch where you can have something that doesn't feel preachy. It doesn't feel like it's trying to beat me over the head with this message. It's just showing it how it is. If you take that away from it, that's great. You could watch this film, I think, and probably not spend a lot of time thinking about these deeper elements of it and still enjoy it. You could there, you could have all these different audiences that could watch this film. And I think it would tell more about the audience member, how they react to it than it would about the film. itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely like, I love sci-fi. I've been a sci-fi nerd for so long and I, and, and, and you don't get to see, there's not many stories taking place in, in places like Cambodia and, no. and, and I think sci-fi would be infinitely richer if we have more stories from, from different angles, you know, it's, and, and so, yeah, I just, at, at the end of the day, I like, I think the, the most radical political thing you can do is just tell a, a, a fun and cool story from a new place. You know, that's, that's inevitably going to, um, expand people's minds in the same way that I felt my mind and my heart expand when I, when I first showed up to Cambodia. It's exposure. That's all it is really. It's that thing that shows the similarities more than the differences. And I think when we, you, you, if you're never exposed to a culture, you're never exposed to a lifestyle and it's always seen as another, it feels scary. It feels distant. Um, But then you meet people and you're exposed to a culture and you go and you sit down in an area that's outside of your own comfort zone. You realize, Oh, it's really, it's all the same. We all want very similar things. Um, We get wrapped up in a bunch of bullshit that detracts us from what we should probably be focused on in our day-to-day lives. But really at the end of the day, I think communities, there's just something that's ever since we were just in small tribes trying to survive, that's really what we're doing still. It's just, we found these very complicated way to get back to a very simple truth about what it means to be human, I think. Totally. And that's, you know, the great magic of cinema is it can collapse that distance between us and people that we think are really far away. And then we, we watch a movie and, and we, we directly identify, you know, that's, that's kind of what it's doing is, is like putting us into someone else's life. We get to live that life and feel it. And, and then we can feel that, that similarity and we can, we can erase that distance. And is that what you want the, is that the goal of this film? If there was a mission statement behind this, um, other than telling just a fun movie that's entertaining, all those things, but if, is that the key takeaway that you'd hope to have that it just makes this area that might have, that we have a misconception of in the West that we might look at this and say, oh, this is much more familiar than I ever would have thought. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big, that's, that's a huge, huge part of it. Um, okay. It's. Yeah, I think that there's, uh, it, like we were talking about before, it's it, it can be a sort of corrective to narr- the way that these places often get depicted narratively. And um, today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So. 
earlier today when I went into Bookman's, I was thinking about the conversation I was having earlier today, and I just wanted to check out a movie that maybe was a genre film, but had a little bit more on its mind. Something that was a horror film, maybe something that had a political or social commentary underneath it. And when I walked into Bookman's, I happened to come across the 4K edition of Candyman, uh, the one that Scream Factory put out earlier this year, and it's a phenomenal set. I'm really looking forward to watching it tonight. But today I'm joined by my son, Jacob, who had some questions about Candyman, the movie, when he was looking at uh, the Blu-ray cover, he had some questions. So let's kind of go through those right now. So Jacob, come here. Yes. Uh, what is your first question about this Candyman? Um, um, what what happens if you say your, his name five times? That's a, that's a good question, because on the bottom of the Blu-ray case, it says, we dare you to say his name five times. So if you look in a mirror in the movie and you say Candyman five times, Candyman will appear. He'll come there. And he'll kill. Oh, well, wow. Um, I, I didn't tell you that, but yeah, that, that's that's what would happen. Because this is make-believe. It's not a real thing that happens. This is just a story. It's just pretend. Good, good, good. So Candyman shows up in the room and then lights out. So do you have any other questions about the uh, the Blu-ray case here that you're looking at? Uh, why is there a bee right there? Okay, that's a good question. So the bee is there because Candyman... Uh, well, what do you think? Well, if you had to... If you were going to watch this movie, if you had to think, why would there be a bee there? What do you think is going on in this picture? I think a, um, a bee affected him. That's right. He, he was bitten by bees. That's right. Yep. That's that's why there's a bee there, because the candy man was bitten by bees. And and means, so, means, means he would kill the bees that did that? Well, no, not necessarily. But, so do you have any other questions about this on here? Why is he in the eye? Oh, that's Candyman. That's just a reflection. So this is this eyeball right here. It represents there's a woman who's looking in the mirror, and then she can see Candyman in the mirror also. So I think that's what that's trying to portray. So I have a question for you about this movie. Do you think this is a movie that a kid should watch? No. Is this a movie that you ever think you'll watch? When you're a grown-up, do you ever want to see Candyman? Yes. When you're a grown-up? Okay, cool. As long as it's not too horrifying. It's not that bad. It's a lot of fun. Mom loves this movie. I love this movie, so we're going to probably watch this later tonight. How, wait, but how do you know all this stuff? How do I know oh, all this about it? Well, because I like movies a lot, and that's why I have a movie podcast, so that I can talk about movies. And why do you actually know all about what's in this movie? Because I've seen it a bunch of times. Oh. Um, the classic one, like part one? Yeah, well, there's actually, there's four Candyman movies. There's a uh, three that star Tony Todd, who's that guy right there. He's actually, Tony Todd is a really well-respected genre actor. I like him a lot. In fact, we're connected on Twitter and we end up talking about music a lot. So really nice guy. He's not scary at all, the guy who plays Candyman in real life. And then there was a remake that was done, or I guess it's kind of a sequel to it that was done recently, came out last year, that's really, really good, or a couple years now, I guess it's, it's been out for. So yeah, definitely worth checking out. But, I have a new yeah. question. Why is there a Broadway deal? Well, that just makes it a little bit more horrifying. So I think we need to get back to the interview. Why don't you uh, just go ahead and say thank you for listening to the show to the people. Bye. Enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, so 
I, you know, I, I love these kids and I, and I just want the audience too. also. I, I think that this is the kind of film that I can recommend to anyone though. This is something that my, my sci-fi nerd friends, I could easily say this is something you can definitely enjoy here, but it's also something that I could sit down with my wife and watch who normally doesn't gravitate towards stuff like this. I could show this to, um, well, I, I could show it to my 11 year old. I think at that point, I might leave the room when he's watching it at certain points, but I think that I think it's good to have like this type of storytelling that he's probably never been exposed to something like this before and seen a culture like this, but there'll be nods that he could say, Oh, there, there's a little, there's the Goonies in there. There's Raiders of the Lost Ark in there. There's all these little moments that you could cherry pick out throughout the thing and say, there's these cultural milestones that he's aware of, but seeing it through this lens, I mean, that's just so powerful. And I, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the conversation around this film expand because this is, I, I can't tell you how much fun I had watching this. And this is, oh, that's it, so cool it's like uh, the best job I ever had in my life was working in a video store. It's, it's the thing I've been looking to go back to that drug I've been trying to find ever since I, I was, you know, 16 years old. I want to go back and I just want to bullshit about movies all day. And I want to recommend things to people. And this would be the, this would be the one on the end cap with my name that I would be recommending to people saying, yes, you need to watch this movie. Like, I don't care what your personal taste is. Check this out. This is going to be something you haven't seen before. And yet it'll be something you've seen before. It'll, it'll really kind of crack your brain open in that way. Uh, thanks so much. That's awesome. And, um, how, what's the reaction been like to the film so far? Well, it's, I, I think it, it lines up a lot with what you just said. It's like, there's a part of me that worries. There, there, there's a lot of overlapping circles of, of different uh, genres and elements and ways that you could approach the film. And I was like, oh, what if it's only the people at the very center of the, di- the Venn diagram <laughs> who like this, you know? Uh, and it's been really gratifying to see how many people, people who are like, I never watch sci-fi, but um like this, this really got me and that, you know, and they're more on like, they like social realists and sociopolitical things or, you know, people who are really into sci-fi and they're like, wow, the, the Buddhism stuff and, and just getting to yeah. see the textures of daily life in Cambodia. And, and then the, you know, the cinephiles who get to be like, Oh, I see the Goonies and I see Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and uh, eternal sunshine. And, you know, what do you think about this? And, and, um, and so it's, yeah, it's been cool, uh, and and it wasn't conceived in any way as a kids' film, but it has kids in the lead roles, and uh, and you know, I, I also I, I I in addition to teaching film in Cambodia, I was a preschool teacher, I was a camp counselor, I was a birthday party magician, spent a lot of time with kids, and I love kids' media that, that treats kids as humans, N- not necessarily Absolutely. as grown-ups because they're not grown-ups, but not as some like separate entity. And we've gotten to play a couple of like youth media festivals. And so also showing it to kids and getting their, getting their take on this too. Um, yeah, that's been really fun in, in, in the, in showing it around is seeing how many different directions people can come at it from and, and resonate with it. I think that's just the mark of something that there was a need for that. It shows that there's something, a story that's not being told that we need to hear this particular story. If people are, it's not something that's this well-worn path that we've seen over and over and over again. It's something that is unique. It's unto itself where people that are saying, oh, I can connect with this. This is a story that's worth telling. This is something I want to see um, because they haven't seen it before. You know, there's elements of it, sure, that are pulling it all together, but 
I mean, you can take that kind of logic back to the beginning of film. You take that back to Chaucer, wherever you go with it. And you take it back to just oral history. You know, it's mm-hmm. whatever that is, however you're going to, however far you want to take that back, that we all are really just a compilation of our influences. And that's how we express that. But you do it in a way that makes it so that there's something that's interesting and unique to say here. And I think you've really nailed that. Man. And this is, uh, I, I, I'm sorry that I'm just gushing over this, but uh, this is just a fun movie, man. This is the rare thing that um, I I don't feel nearly as much joy when I watch independent sci-fi like this that I should. And thank you for that kind of jolt that you gave me for this. Oh, well, thank you so much for all of your kind words. That's uh, no, I'm blushing over here. (laughs) (laughs) But Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. And best of luck on the film. And I'm really hoping you continue um, down this path. And I, I want more because I'm I'm a typical greedy American and I need more. So it's the second that I walked out, I you know stepped away from the screen. It's like, okay, I need more from Jake. What's he up to next? So yeah. Yeah, more grounded sci-fi from the margins, you know. That, Absolutely. Uh, I, I love this space. And I'm thinking a lot these days about um ideas of utopia and what do societies look like where we're doing a better job than we currently are, particularly in regards to climate and climate justice issues. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, hopefully before too long, get to see some more, uh, some more sci-fi. Well, I hope you can figure a way around that. That doesn't make me want to jump off a bridge already any more than I already do. When it comes well, that's to the those. thing, right? We have so many dystopias and I've, I'm kind of a techno pessimist in a lot of ways. I, you know, grow, growing up in Silicon Valley and getting exposed to a lot of that. And I think that some of that bleeds through strongly in Carmeling. And this experience <laughs> yeah. of five, five, six years making this film and living in this world that is... I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated, obviously, but it's, there's, there's a, there's a definitely a deep pessimism that runs through it. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if we're going to, I don't know if we're going to solve this, but if we do, it's only going to come from a, a place of hope and because we believe that we can. And I've been uh, immersing myself in stories that take place in those worlds. And that's really it's really beautiful. And I think that that's how we do it. And, and I think that there needs to be a lot more um, stories that point us towards utopia and, and, and how we, yeah, how we might evolve technologically, but also philosophically, culturally, politically. Well, there's to be incredibly specific and kind of leave on this thought. There's a moment in this movie that I think kind of encapsulates that to me, it did at least. There's a moment when there's the the guy who's working in the fields and he's going through and it's the water and he pulls out the the idol from it. Mm-hmm. And the way that the sun is reflecting on that water is just mm. so beautiful. It's so gorgeous. It's so amazing. It's awe-inspiring. And yet there's no peace in that. There's the search for this other. There's a search for this thing inside us that's making him, you know these in what is truly a beautiful landscape when we look around that's where the peace should come from and i thought that mm. there was, to me that the whole movie is in that moment so oh, i love that and yeah, yeah. no one's no one said that before about that moment but I, I i i love that i totally feel that excellent good i i wasn't sure if i was alone in that but when you're talking about utopia that was something that was definitely in the back of my mind oh yeah so, I'm, yeah i mean the the i think that um 
yeah, the, our relationship with the natural world is is something that I'm really interested in exploring. I love I love sci-fi that talks specifically about that. So, so do I. Thank the you. two are interlinked. Uh, yeah. They're they're you cannot separate the two. So yeah, I, I love that, and I'm really excited to see whatever else you have coming down the pike, Jake. So thank you for taking the time to do this today, man. I really Thanks appreciate it. So much, Chris. I, I, I love talking with you about this. You as well. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Hello. Please send a link when you post. I will. I will, of course. And thank you for uh, making sure that I checked this out. It was uh, <laughs> Emma, Emma kept uh, slapping me around saying, Chris, seriously, watch the movie. Stop. You need to see this thing. And I, did, I, I, I had gotten too into my own shit and just wasn't getting around to it. And I'm so glad. I, no, I, trust I always taste, know so. you and I have the same taste and I knew the Goonies element would speak to you. And- <laughs> When you ignore me, I just keep emailing you daily until like you you basically give in. That's that's my strategy. <laughs> no, it works. It works. I'm sorry, but thank you. I appreciate it. Brilliant. Care, All right, love. Bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
always crack.